Amen. Amen. It's really good to be among you tonight. Uh, we don't normally do, Ruth says, we don't normally do a talk at these engaged nights, but we've told them to be really short. So that's kind of the deal for the next 15 minutes or so. And uh, uh, it's really good to be among you. I have friends in this church. I'm really thankful for uh, what God's doing among you. And I'm just so glad to join with you tonight. Um, I'm a member of Carnmoney Presbyterian Church, just on the other side of Belfast. And, uh, and as I say, it's good to be among you. Um, we have a little four-year-old boy. He's called Noah. And uh, a few weeks Weeks ago, we were, uh, it was a Saturday afternoon, and Sarah and I were just uh, kind of chilling out as, on Saturday afternoon, as you're meant to do, and Noah was uh, in the corner, play, he, he was in the, we hadn't sent him to the corner, he just had me playing in the corner, uh, and he was in the corner kind of uh, playing away, and, and, and my sister was due to call with us over the next uh, few minutes, and it was maybe about two o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, I had, being the really dutiful husband, I had neglected to tell Sarah that there was a good chance that my sister may need to stay for dinner um, that night. And so just five minutes before the doorbell was due to ring, I thought I would drop it into the conversation. And so I said, uh, Sarah, actually, I might have forgot to mention, but we, we might just uh, need to feed Jude tonight. And Sarah, being uh, at this stage seven months pregnant, uh, sighed, really, if I'm quite honest. She loves Jude, but she sighed, uh, probably at the thought of, what am I going to rustle up? I'm going to have to go to the shop and get something, because she knew it wasn't hopefully going to rely on me. Uh, and so she, she, she just sighed, and then she said, that's okay. Five minutes later, the doorbell uh, went, and Noah very excitedly went to the door to greet his favorite aunt, his only aunt, but his favorite aunt. And he, he opened the door really excitedly, and he said to Jude, he said, Auntie Jude, my mommy doesn't want you to stay for dinner. <laughs> my mommy doesn't want you to stay for dinner. You see, here's the thing. She said that's okay with her lips, but her body language, her posture, her tone said something completely different. She didn't stay for dinner. I have no idea why not. <laughs> And I sometimes wonder that when it comes to worship, prayer, when it comes to the things of devotion towards God, sometimes I think or I wonder if we can get all of our words right at times. You know, we say the right words, we sing the right words, we even do it in the right places at the right times maybe even with the right rhythm and the right tune, sometimes, if we're honest. We say the right things with our lips and with our words, but sometimes our posture and our openness towards God says something completely different. When it comes to your worship, when it comes to my response to the revelation of God in his word and through his son, what is our posture saying? Are we saying one thing with our lips and saying something completely different with our response or with our lives or with our worship? And tonight, I would love to read a short passage in Matthew chapter 17. Uh, for, for me, it's the moment in the New Testament, and there's many, but for me, it's the moment in the New Testament, the moment of revelation the moment where there's a spectacular moment, something going on that if you and I were there, we would be standing with our jaws head in the ground, just saying, oh my goodness, this is amazing. It's, it's amazing what's going on. It was an amazing moment of worship or potential worship. But I'm totally staggered by what happens next in these moments. 
and by the response, and particularly the response of Peter. And we're going to think about the response of Peter to the revelation that he had received or he saw or he was a part of or he experienced. And then I'm just going to make a couple of comments tonight about three if we get time, but a couple of comments about what that might look like for us in our worship as we receive revelation from God here at church week by week through his word and through his son. What, what's our response to be? in light of that. So let me read Matthew 17. We'll just read the first few verses. It says this, after six days, and I encourage you to keep your your Bibles open as we go through this um, this evening. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Just picture the scene here. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then the response. So we've got the revelation. And then here's the response in verse 4. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Let me just Let's just pause for a moment and kind of consider what's going on in this story. There's a moment of revelation, a moment where where God reveals more of himself and who he is to these bewildered disciples. And yet what happens and what follows in the the moments afterwards are pretty baffling. In fact, as I read this, let's think about what Peter, his first words, and it's probably a foot and mouth moment. I mean, we might not know what to say in this moment, but Peter first words he blurts out so he's standing there and Jesus is transfigured before them Jesus is shining his what does it say his face is is bright like the sun his his clothes are like white as light and there's two dead prophets and they're standing there and what does Peter say well Lord it's pretty it's pretty good that I'm here you know it's pretty good that it's pretty good that I'm here it's just as well I'm here God it's just as well that I'm here And yet here we have a transfigured Jesus, his face shining like the sun, and two two of the great two the two great prophets, two prophets that were meant to be dead and they're standing before him. Well, it's nice, Jesus, but at least I'm here. You know, and sometimes I wonder, um, I don't know if this is gonna work. Yes, okay. So so the first thing I would love to think about tonight is presence. Worship is about presence, not just about our presence but actually first and foremost about the presence of Christ among us. That's what worship is doing. Here's Christ dwelling in his, all his beauty and glory, and Peter is worrying about who's there. He's worrying that he's there. Well, at least I'm here, God. You know, it's him that we stand among. It's, it's him that we bow before. It's him that we gaze upon. It's him that we lift our eyes to, not, not ourselves. I, I mean, sometimes we can be pretty pleased with ourselves that we're even here tonight, maybe. You know, of all, all the things that you could be doing. 
of all the things that we could be doing with our time on Sunday evenings or Sundays in general, you know, but at least we're here and we're here and we're doing our bit and we're ticking the box and we're faithful and God, it's good that I'm here. It's good that I'm here in the church and goodness, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for me and maybe a few other ones, oh, I don't know how, how good this church would be doing right now. It's good that I'm here. And right whenever we're tempted to think about that in moments like that, Jesus wants to lift our eyes and remind us that actually it's his presence. It's not just good that we are here tonight. And you know what? It is. It's good. It's not just good that we are here, but it's vital that we realize that Christ is here. It's not just us thinking about our presence, but it's reminding ourselves of his presence. That's what worship is. That's what worship reminds us. Worship reminds us and lifts our eyes to the fact that Christ is present among us. This is about this tonight, more than anything else, is about his presence among us. So acknowledge that. Don't get caught up in your response too early before you see his revelation. Don't get so caught up in your response that you miss his revelation. Because Peter's just missing this glorious and spectacular moment. And then he goes on and the foot and mouth continues. As secondly, he blurts out that he's going to build three shelters. That's an interesting idea from Peter, isn't it? An interesting idea. He's going to build three shelters. He seems keen to, to sort Moses and Elijah out, you know, in case they need overnight accommodation, in case they've just arrived on earth for a little while and, they, you know, they need something. And Peter's like, you know what? I'll sort it out. I'll sort it out for you. And he seems so preoccupied in these three personalities in this moment. And I don't really blame him, but it's interesting. It's interesting because he's so focused on building the three shelters for the three personalities. Sometimes I wonder in worship if we, you know, what's happening here actually in this passage is Peter's getting preoccupied. And he's getting preoccupied with the wrong personalities. He's getting so caught up in himself and then getting so caught up in Moses and Elijah that he's missing the personality that he's there to see. And sometimes I worry, if I'm honest, in worship that we get so preoccupied or caught up with personalities, you know, with the wrong personalities. You know, we constantly live in a temptation in the church of focusing on personalities when actually it's all about Jesus. And so many times, if I'm honest, I've walked away from services like this or events or meetings and I've talked and I've analyzed and I've rated out of 10, as if it matters, the people who were standing at the front. And we end up playing some sort of weird Christian game of like Christian top trumps, which is just kind of weird and doesn't really achieve anything. And all the while having these pointless and futile conversations, we miss the one who stands over and above all of the personalities that we're discussing and thinking about and analyzing and rating as if it matters anyway. Don't get me wrong. Of course, we need people to lead us. Of course, we do. Of course, there are some amazing personalities who can teach us, inspire us, challenge us, or encourage us. You have them in this church. But if all we do is build monuments to personalities rather than lift our mouths to praise, then we're actually, like Peter, missing the point. You know, we're missing the point. And sometimes, you know, I, I think so often we can, and maybe it's just 
kind of culture that we live in, we can so often want to focus on the spectacular stuff. You know, we're drawn to the glitz and the glam and the spectacular stuff. And actually, I wonder, and please don't hear me wrong, but sometimes I wonder if worship is actually meant to be more mundane than it actually is miraculous. You know, worship is actually meant to be, you know, a, a discipline. Worship is meant to be a habit. Worship is meant to be a lifestyle. Worship is meant to be continual and not just an event. It's meant to be continual. And so as we walk through these doors and take our place in the pew and stand to sing with this amazing band, we're invited to continue what's already been started and what we're going to do later. And it's just the joy that we get to do it with other people rather than get isolated doing it ourselves. Don't get caught up in the personalities, but see worship as not just spectacular, but actually ordinary, everyday acts of worship through how we speak, sing, live our lives. And don't get me wrong, there is something of the transcendent in what we do in worship. There is something of, you know, we should expect transformation in our midst. As Jesus is among us as a group as a, of believers, as the community of believers called the church, he does things and he does transform lives. But actually, sometimes I think we need to be reminded that worship is not just about the spectacular, but it's about fuel in the ordinary moments where we can see. So unlike Peter trying to preserve this moment, what can I build to keep this in? Rather than trying to keep what we have in here in, you know, rather than trying to just preserve a lovely moment, you know, worship is less about goosebumps and it's more about fuel for our hearts and our lives. So let's not just preserve the moment, but prioritize the Messiah who's among us as we sing tonight, as we pray, and as we worship. I'm about six slides behind here, so um, I don't know whether this is, here we go. Beautiful, it's working now. Personalities, there we go. So we've been presence, personalities, and thirdly, you're expecting a P, but sorry. Um, intimacy. Lastly, it's interesting what Peter jumps to first. Can you see it? Can you see it? I will make three tents here. What's Peter's first response? His first response is to do something. He's an activist, isn't he? He jumps to activity first. And you know, so often I've stood in moments like this and I've heard something from the front or I've sang a song and I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm going to go and do something. I'm going to go and do something for you. I'm going to do something spectacular for you. I'm never, ever going to sin again. And then in those youth weekends, you even got to shred your sins. It was amazing, you know. And uh, you, you never did them ever again because they were shredded. But, um, you know, so often I've I, I jumped towards activity. What can I do for you, God? I've seen you, so now I, I need to do something for you. And so often I've stood in worship a little bit like Peter. And my first response to has been, what am I going to do for you? You know, as Jesus stands before me, I'm so quick to think what I should do. Or if he reveals more of his truth for me, I think, who could I share that with? You know, I've heard something or I've experienced something tonight. Oh, it'd be great if they knew that. It'd be great if I could tell them that. You know, I'm challenged by a scripture and I think, if only they could understand that like I do right now. Or I sense more of God's presence and I think to myself, oh, I need more of that this week. And I jump to activity. I jump to what I can do. And I say to Jesus, I will build your church. I will do what you want. I will build when actually Jesus time and time again is saying, 
I don't need you to build. I want you to worship. I don't need you to build. I want you to worship. Because what happens next in the passage is amazing because Peter's blurted this out and you know what? Jesus or God in the passage don't even respond to Peter's little speech, you know? Doesn't even respond. His next statement is this. Then a cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Don't just be so quick to talk with your words. Don't be just so quick to blurt out your response. Don't just jump to activity and building and all the stuff that you're going to do. Here's my son. I love him. Listen to him. Tonight, as these guys stand and sing before us, they're pointing us to the beloved son who God has sent us. I love him. Listen to him. This is Jesus. Love him. Listen to him. That's what we're called to tonight. And then the passage ends with, well, I've ended the passage at this moment tonight, this in verse 8, when it tells us that they saw, when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. You know, tonight we are tempted to build. You know, Jesus never asked us to build a church. Jesus never asked you or I to build a church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will prevail against it. Well, not prevail against it, sorry. And you know what? If it was up to me, if it was up to me building the church, the gates of hell would have prevailed against it a long time ago. Our duty is not to jump to building first. We're, we, we're so consumed people by activity. We're, we're, we're such a people consumed by activity when actually God calls us to intimacy. Don't just jump to activity, but respond in intimacy. Jesus desires and calls us to intimacy. So before tonight you say, I will build, Jesus is maybe shaking his head and saying, no, you will worship. You will worship. And through that, I will build my church. Through worshipers, I will build my church. You know what God wants to do through us? He often first wants to do in us. And I think tonight is an invitation. Tonight is an invitation to just say to Jesus, I'm listening. I'm here for you. I desire intimacy. Before all the to-do lists of tomorrow, before all the things that I can achieve, before all the stuff that I want to see and do, Jesus, tonight I've first called to intimacy. And I want to respond to you. I want to see you in your glory. I want to see your, your revelation. I want to listen to you. I want to love you. I know I'm called intimacy. And yeah, we'll maybe get the activity at some point. Probably need to. But we're first called to be worshipers, people of intimacy. I do a little bit of running from time to time. And in my running club, there's a guy called Eamon. Eamon just happened to be a former world professional boxing champion. I don't mess with him. Uh, and a few, uh, it was actually about a year ago now, Eamon was running uh, along with us in a group one night, and there was a lady who had joined our club, and she hadn't been running with us all that long. She didn't know who Eamon was. And we got stopped at the side of a road, a tra tra set of traffic lights, and uh, we were all catching our breath and delighted to stop, but not Eamon, you know, former boxer, so he's like on his toes and jumping up and down, and, and then he's punching like this and punching down like this just to keep active uh, and this lady looks just strangely at him and she looks at the rest of us and she's like who's that guy think he is a boxer <laughs> at which that moment we said well he kind of is actually yes 
See, here's the thing. What's within us will come out. What's within us will come out. And so please don't hear me tonight that it's not about, you know, living well out there. It's not about the things we do. It's not about how we live. It's not about the activities that we can achieve for God. But actually we're first called. Our first call is to see Jesus and worship, to respond to him, and to develop maybe a posture of intimacy, holy habits of worship, silence, solitude, and of prayer of responding to the revelation that we have seen. And so tonight's an invitation to do that. And Steve's going to come and he's going to begin to play. And maybe even before we sing, I would just love to give you a moment, a moment to just remind ourselves afresh of who Jesus is. And before we jump to the next thing, the to-do list, what's on your plate, of which there are significant things, I have no doubt. Be reminded that in these moments of huge trial and testing for the disciples, the thing they most needed was a fresh revelation of Jesus. I believe that whatever is going on in our lives, the thing that we most need is a fresh revelation of Jesus. So choose intimacy tonight before we jump to activity. And enjoy this space. Enjoy the songs. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the prayers. Enjoy being together as we do this, as we continue the worship of our lives with the worship together as a church. So let's take a few moments of silence. I'm gonna wrap up and pray in a moment. And then we're gonna um, sing a, a song of response, a song of intimacy. Jesus in all the activities. We pray that you would help us to see you afresh. We pray that we would be reminded tonight of who you are. And I pray that we would discover devotion, intimacy, and worship as we're together. So do your work in our hearts that yes, will translate into our lives, but may you start it in our hearts. Help us to see you afresh. Before we seek to build, carve out in us a heart that will worship. And may that begin or continue in these moments tonight. Amen.